and welcome to episode 59 of Popcorn Optional, a weekly movie podcast where we talk all things movies, and this week we are here to review the 20th Marvel film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Ant-Man and the Wasp. But first, we have a couple of things to get to. We're going to do a check-in on our summer box office fantasy wager bet thing that we made, uh, kind of get you guys in the know as to where things stand halfway through the summer. Uh, we also have some quick news and trailers we're going to hit on. Uh, we'll be nominating the 15th class of honorable mentions. And as always, we will end with our content of the week. So my name is Cameron Salina. And as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jake Brown and Trevor Allison. Hey, man. Hello. Was barely able to squeeze this one in this week. Saw it this afternoon. We're halfway through the year. We are halfway done with uh, all the films that will come out this year, but we're also got... Uh, halfway f- more films to come. It was kind of try- me trying to do half, cup, cup half full, cup half empty. Um, we're sort of done with our sequel run. No, no, there's still so I much. Mean, I mean, in a row, I guess we'll get a sequel free uh, weekend this coming weekend, don't we? Uh, Hotel Transylvania three. Well, I'm not uh, seeing that. So. <laughs> okay, and then the weekend after that is uh, Equalizer two or Mamma Mia. So. Have fun! <laughs> I know that we didn't talk about it, but the Equalizer 2 trailer was cool for the first half because I really wanted it to just be Denzel being Batman who drives an Uber. <laughs> but they had to make an actual plot out of the whole thing. I would Damn love it. it to be like six or seven little vignettes of him picking up Uber people who are in bad situations and him equalizing them. Gosh, that sounds like a great film. It could be like one of those like Valentine's Day type movies, but like yes, just but with just Denzel. Den- just Denzel with an Uber. I wish this was just like Denzel Washington was washed up on some beach and was teaching scuba classes and was like, <laughs> this is how you equalize your ears. <laughs> it's just an hour and a half of him teaching us how to equalize your ears. <laughs> now you don't will- blow too hard. <laughs> I will say the titles don't exercises. really... The title is not great there. No. Yeah. Yeah. But do you really need a Denzel title? I mean, it's kind of just one of those things where people see Denzel and a gun and they're like, ooh, I'm in. Yeah. yeah it makes bad it things happen to bad people. All right. Well, we're, like I said, we're halfway through the year, which means that we're also halfway through the summer. Our summer box office wager runs from the first weekend of uh, May, or technically the last weekend of April, to the first weekend of September. And. You know, being halfway through the summer, I figure it's time for us to kind of catch up. We all have, we all drafted five films in the snake order, and some people have all their films out. Some people are actually, no, all of us have, you both have three films that have come out so far, and I have four. Uh, and it's kind of interesting. You know, Trevor selected Avengers Infinity War, and I think we all thought, okay, he's going to run away with this. This is a done deal since that was a huge hit. But it's a lot closer of a race than I was anticipating, actually. Uh, there's still a lot of room uh, for us to move around. And uh, so, yeah, let's kind of go and uh, start digging into things. Uh, we will start with Jake. Uh, let's start with Jake. So, Jake, your three films that have come out so far total $653 million. So, you have Deadpool 2 at 314, Solo at 211. And Ocean's 8 at 127, which is pretty solid. You are the only one of us that who all their films are above $100, $100 million. Yes. So, 
Congrats, Jake. Uh, and then you have Skyscraper coming out this week. And yeah. Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, coming out July 20th. So Three. you have two more films coming out very re- or very soon that will... Don't uh feel good about those. <laughs> they're actually both tracking pretty decently. Uh, uh, well, from what I just I've meant seen. in terms of uh, quality. Oh, no, Skyscraper no, no. Skyscraper is the... The sequel to Rampage, right? Is that is that correct? No, it's the sequel to the sequel to San Andreas. So, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> which is a sequel to Die Hard. So it, it's complicated. I don't want to get into all of the. So how many but, uh, films are in the Rock Cinematic Universe? All of all them. Of them. <laughs> Funny enough, they're the all Shining, the same. Yeah, The Shining, part of the Rock universe. He was in the back. He was one of the rocks. Two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. He's the monolith. I believe it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's uh, 127 hours. You know, he's trapped James Franco against the wall. He's, he's the rock. Oh, yeah. my God. So, uh, he, he is the movie in 1996, Michael Bay, The Rock. <gasps> Good one. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he's he's everywhere. But, uh, you know, Jake, I think you have a good chance. Uh, Deadpool 2 and Solo seem to be kind of running out. Ocean's 8 is still doing surprisingly decent. So, I mean, Jake, you definitely have a chance. Uh, right. Trevor, you have three films that have come out so far, and your total is $791 million. So you are about $140 million above Jake. Uh, obviously, Avengers Infinity War did big numbers. It's almost at six, seven, $675 million. Uh, And then you have Ant-Man and the Wasp, which came out this weekend at almost $83 million. And The Purge, the first Purge, which got $33 million. And I'm a little disappointed in the first purge, but yeah. here's what I think. I think that it was up in a tough spot, and I think that all of our, our horror junkies are going to go see it this weekend. It had a $17.5 million weekend and did uh, about another $16 million on the two days before that, so that's pretty impressive for a July 4th opening. Uh, but you also have Mission Impossible Fallout on July 27th and Christopher Robin on August 3rd, which will both have about a month to... Uh, get you, get you up there. Um, but that's, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, I think will have a pretty good run. So yeah. And then, uh, last I have $923 million, but I also have four films that have come out so far. So I have Jurassic World at 336, uh, The Incredibles at 507, uh, Uncle Drew, uh, surprisingly at 30 million, which is, you know, exactly where I want it to be <laughs> and uh, tag the film that I thought would be a huge hit and isn't at 48 million. And then hotel Transylvania opening on July 13th, this Friday. I think the, the only, there's only a couple of these overall that I'm surprised at. One of them is solo being low. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've talked a lot about that on this podcast. And then the Incredibles making 500 million is a bit of a surprise to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, we, we knew that, like the Incredibles and Jurassic World would do big numbers, but like Jurassic World, the first one was pretty terrible. And so I thought that it would reduce the numbers, but man, both of those films just yeah. blew I mean, up. At what point, office. like yeah. what, like Sunday morning of the Friday, the Incredibles came out. Bob Iger is like calling Brad Bird being like, what do you have for yeah. number three? Right. Yeah. Cause we need it. We will next pay you week. whatever you want. <laughs> we need it literally as soon as you can animate it. You can animate it in five years. We need it done in three. Okay, there we go. <laughs> We're Disney. Yeah, it's, I mean, luckily I have Jurassic World and The Incredibles 2 to make up for my terrible picks of Uncle Drew and Tag, uh, which are the 
two of the lower films on any of our lists. Uncle, so. Uncle Drew had that inexplicable $100 million potential. Right. That kind of lottery ticket feel. Yeah, it was uh it was me betting on a on a D2 quarterback. And uh that D2 quarterback just ended up being a scrub. So, they can't all be Carson little, Wentz. We can't. And that's 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 you know, that's reality, but uh I think there's a very good chance that one of you two catches my number uh come the end of the summer because between both of you guys having two films left, I think there's a lot of potential. And Christopher Robin is getting really good buzz, and Mission Impossible uh, premiered today with uh, people saying it's the best of the series so far. So all aboard the hype train, let's go! <laughs> you know, there's a. I think Trevor maybe maybe on the comeback train, but yeah. So that's where we stand for now. I'm at 923 million. Trevor is in second at 791, and Jake is in third at 653. So all all fairly close. There's a lot that could happen in the last. Uh, Last little bit of the summer. All right, let's go ahead and get to news and trailers. I'm going to quickly run through some casting stuff that happened this week because it's worth mentioning but not worth spending a ton of time on. Uh, Billy D. Williams and Carrie Russell are both going to be in Star Wars 9. Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian. Uh, Carrie Russell as somebody other than Ray's mom, which is the <laughs> prevailing theory that came out on the internet this week. And let me just throw this out there. Dear fanboys, if you are going to be angry if Carrie Russell isn't playing Ray's mom, go ahead and just don't go see episode nine. Don't just yeah. don't do it. I think you'll be better off. I'm so excited for this casting. I think Carrie Russell is like one of the best, most underrated actresses that's working right now. Um, mm. Everything she's done with JJ Abrams has just been fantastic. And so yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't care what she's playing. I don't know what she's playing. I'm just excited. She's involved and yep. uh, Billy D. Williams, I mean, Lando Calrissian, who doesn't want more of that? So let's go. I mean, I mean we, we, we talked about how much we love Donald Glover as Lando, but Billy D. Williams is Lando. You know, like that is, <laughs> he like, he's the one who mispronounces Han Solo's name for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. I hope we keep doing that too. And it but, also feels like a spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Uh, when Han Solo's dead and Carrie Fisher is dead, Luke Skywalker is dead. Yep. What are we gonna do? Well, I guess let's bring back Lando. You know, I thought yeah. I thought the exact same thing. That it's we gotta have some kind of tie. And JJ, he always finds the balance between making something good and giving the people what they want. So right. Yep. And it is it is canon that when you die, you come back in a Force ghost. As your younger self. So what if we find out that Lando is force sensitive and he comes back as Donald Glover and now oh. we have you know, force ghost Donald in Glover. the background. Okay. Don't so tease JJ me. doesn't give people that much of what they want. <laughs> oh, okay. Dang it. Um, all right. That's fine. Um, unfortunately, JJ couldn't give us what we want in Top Gun 2 either because instead of casting the perfect Glenn Powell as Goose's son, we decided to cast Hollywood's favorite Miles Teller. Mm. And Cameron least favorite Miles. Uh -huh. <laughs> Let me say this. I love Miles Teller when he's good, but every other time he just, you can tell that he is just there for a paycheck and doesn't give a rip about the movie. There are times when he's good whiplash. He's fantastic. Outside of that, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't really care. I'm a, a Miles Teller. Mm. So uh, I'm better than you guys. Yeah. He is very Shia LaBeouf-y in the sense of like he he can be amazing when he really wants to, 
but he right. lets his ego and douchebagginess get in the way a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and so he he just needs a director uh, and like a crew and producer that know how to reel him in. Fortunately, sure. he will be working with uh, one of the other biggest egomaniacs in the world, Tom Cruise. And there can't right. be two Tom and, Cruises on a set. So, And right. the other thing is, is that Joseph Kaczynski, the director, has worked with both of them before and right. been pretty successful in getting good performances and making good movies. I think that Teller's second best performance is probably Only the Brave. Thank you. Um, from this past fall. He was actually <laughs> good in that. I'm not a Miles Teller fan either, but he was pretty good in it. And, and Kaczynski directed that. So I think, while this is in my opinion, not who I would have picked, but I think that it being Joseph Kaczynski makes me feel a little bit better about it. Yeah. And I I mean, as you guys know, if you listen to this, um, Top Gun is one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm skeptical about why this sequel even exists, but I will also be there the day that it opens. So (laughs) whatever. (laughs) In your just greased down body, aviator glasses and a volleyball? Yes. Cut off jeans, no shirt. Okay. Okay. Bomber jacket? Um, only if it gets chilly. Okay. No, that's fair. Only if I need a shower. <laughs> All right. Cool. Cool. Um, lastly, but not leastly, is Idris Elba being cast in the Fast and the Furious spinoff Hobbs and Shaw based on The Rock and Jason Statham's characters as the villain. So you yes. give Idris Elba, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Jason Statham in a movie. So Listen. T- that's that's the whole pitch. I don't need the right. Rest of it. <laughs> right. I want to see a scene where like Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Jason Statham both go to punch him at the same time, and he just like punches back, and all three of their fists meet in the middle, and it just creates this like explosion of manliness and like ego. It's just like, oh uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. You have okay. this. You have this interesting melding of like. The prototypical action hero, the king of charisma, and an incredibly talented actor. Yeah. So I'm interested <laughs> to see all three of them come together. Wait, okay, so the prototypical action hero is Jason Statham? Oh, yeah. Correct, yes. The charisma is Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and the good oh, yes. actor is Idris Elba. Yes. yes. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page there. Yes. Okay, There's cool. Not that, I mean... We we all love Dwayne the Rock Johnson, of course, but he's not a great actor. We don't no one pretends like he is, but it doesn't matter. No. no. Alrighty, well let's go ahead and get to nominating the fifteenth class of honorable mentions. This is a segment that we have done uh for about a year now, actually. Uh we've done this on and off uh probably about once a month for about a year now. And uh here's what it takes to be an honorable mention. What we're really looking for is we're nominating people that pass the blind test. And when I say the blind test, what I mean is if I knew nothing about a movie other than this person was involved with it, would that be enough to make me go see it? Now, if all I knew about a movie was that Christopher Nolan was directing the movie, is that enough to make me go see it? And the answer is yes. Christopher Nolan has been nominated and uh, accepted into the honorable mentions. Uh, There's been lots of other people nominated. uh, Steven Spielberg, Emma Stone, Meryl Streep, uh, Roger Deakins, tons and tons of people. Uh, you can go listen to past episodes to find more of who else has been nominated. Uh, there's a couple of uh, things that they must have. Uh, they must have worked in or been in, worked on 
uh, five or more films, and it must be a unanimous vote from all three of us. So uh, let's start with our nominations. Trevor, who is your nomination for the 15th class of Honorable Menches? Okay, so I've got a director this week. I he's I will say I think his last two films have probably been his weakest films, which is somewhat unfortunate for timing. But his previous films have built up enough goodwill that I'm definitely willing to give him a shot on anything. And that is someone who we've already mentioned, and that is Brad Bird. Hmm. Ooh. Iron Giants, Incredibles, Ratatouille, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. I know that one of these things is not like the other, but they're all <laughs> really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brad Bird is, I think, one of the best animated film directors ever. Um, and he really only has one stinker, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a Brad Bird fan, and I think that uh, as one of the original uh, Pixar brain trustees and uh, doing things like the Iron Giant, I mean, of course, it's it's Brad Bird. He's one of the best working directors. Yeah, I think it's an I think it's an easy answer. Uh, Brad Bird, Iron Giant's one of my you know, top 20 favorite films of all time. And, uh, yeah, Tomorrowland is a disappointment, but I think more than anything, what Tomorrowland represents to me is ambition and that he's at least willing to try something. There's a lot of really good ideas in Tomorrowland. Uh, unfortunately it doesn't stick the landing, but call that the the cloud Atlas effect, the cloud (laughs) Atlas effect. Yes. Uh, but yeah, he's, I mean, of the five films that he's direct, uh, six films that he's directed, um, you know, five of them are pretty good films. And, uh, so yeah, I would say, of course, Brad Bird, welcome to the honorable mentions. Uh, Jake, who is your nomination? Well, my nominee is someone that we're definitely going to talk about later. Uh, this is someone who I think is when you see them on screen, you're always happy. And every performance is is great, and uh, it's Paul Rudd, of course. Every everybody loves Paul Rudd. I don't care who you are, like what you're into. Everybody loves Paul Rudd. He's just one of those guys, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. Cam, okay, I, I need yeah. you to go first, Cam. Okay, I would say a hundred percent for Paul Rudd. I love Paul Rudd. He's uh, my content of the week recommendation features Paul Rudd, and so I'll get into that a little bit later. But he he's uh. He's in one of my favorite movies of all time, Perks Being a Wallflower, as this like just perfect teacher. And uh I, he has so many characteristics that are amazing and he's he's played so many different roles. I think he's now starting to get into some serious stuff, which is uh fun. Um he had a film that came out earlier this year I haven't seen uh called The Spy Was a Catcher, uh based on a true story from uh, I think World War World War Two, where a catcher ended up becoming a baseball catcher, ended up becoming a spy, uh, which is exciting to see him get into some other things. But I think he's got a lot of range, even within comedy, just between Bobby Newport. Um, I mean, all the way to things like Ant Man. So I would, I, I'm, I'm in. I would say yes for Paul Rudd. So I love Paul Rudd because everyone loves Paul Rudd. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I remember the first time I saw him in something that I really remember was like 2008 or so. I watched the entirety of Friends. I had never really seen it before. <laughs> and I got to season 10 and I was like, why does no one talk about Paul Rudd? Why isn't Paul <laughs> Rudd in everything? He's amazing. Yeah. And now he, now he, you know, he's a superhero. He does all kinds of stuff. The 
my only issue with Paul Rudd is that he's in some like garbage comedies every couple of years that are just like clear garbage. Yeah. And but most of the comedies that he's in are pretty stinking great. Like he's great in Anchorman. He's great in 40 uh, year old virgin and knocked up. If you've ever seen this is 40, he's even great in that, which is him reprising a role that he played in knocked up. Uh-huh. Uh, I love you, man is classic. Uh, I, yeah, I think yeah. that he's got, he's got a lot. Yeah, we'll definitely. I know that we've we've forgiven some some missteps, but looking forward, I'd say if Paul Rudd is in something, I'm definitely interested. Yeah, he's a yes. Nice. All right, we'll, Paul we'll Rudd. Overlook welcome. Sausage sausage party for now. <laughs> um, okay, I am ready to get my first no. Yes, and finally embrace this the is suckage. A, this is a hill that I am willing to die on for this director. And I think Trevor knows exactly where I'm going with this, but it's time that we embrace it. And it's time oh, that it gosh. gets brought up on the podcast because yep. this is a director that whether you like his movies or not, he is groundbreaking film after film. And this is a man that, you know, I think deserves to be in this class because he has done some incredible things over the course of his career. Now, whether or not you like his most recent film is besides the point. It's about whether or not you would go see his film if all you knew about it was that he was directing it. I just want that to be kept in mind. And with that, I would like to nominate James Cameron. So I can, I can the feel thing. the disappointment in both of so you right now. Several things going on here. Um, James Cameron invented Terminator. Yep. Like that's his deal completely. Yep. Um, it's kind of gone off the rails because he's paying attention to other things, but whatever. Um, Aliens is a action classic. The Abyss. The True Abyss Lies. Is, I I can't even watch The Abyss because it's too scary. Um, I the here the here's the the issue is the looming ginormous blue body of Avatar. But and, are you saying that you would not go see Avatar two? Well, of course I'll see Avatar two, but I, I would. It's an if it's non-Avatar material moving forward, it's an unequivocal yes. The problem is, is that he's not going to make a different movie than Avatar before he dies. He's one of three people to ever be to the to ever go to the bottom of the Marianas Trench. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I do not care about that in this context. Um, I'm like a hesitant yes can i say yes except for avatar sequels is that a category we have <laughs> i mean sure all right i've i've done too much jake okay trevor said yes oh my gosh i got trevor to say yes so all right i'm looking at him in terms of a director in this perspective okay um as a writer and an editor, he's okay. I, yeah. I, oh, man. <laughs> okay. Oh. So I'm looking at his IMDb page. And as okay. a director, he has done Terminator, Aliens. I'm listening to things that I think are good. Terminator. Aliens, The Abyss, Terminator 2, Titanic, and that's it. 
He hasn't made a good movie in 20 years. So he's also only made one movie in the last 20 years. That's not true. He's made one, two, three, four, five, six, seven movies. Uh, what are the seven movies he's made in the past 20 years? Since Titanic. He made Avatar. He's made Earthship.tv, a TV movie. Uh, okay, have you watched that? No, but I'm just saying it doesn't sound good. He's made a, he's made a couple, couple submarine documentaries. Yeah. Yes, because he went to the bottom of the Marianas Trench. I respect that. I'm, I respect that, you know. I'm I'm okay with it. He's one of those people that I think their impact on the industry is greater than their talent. In terms of he is a technician more than he is a uh masterful creative like Stanley Kubrick. And so because of that and because of his focus on more so pushing technology forward than actual storytelling or film or making people think i want to say no oh i want to say no so bad but I but but (laughs) see i like i have this hope that avatar 2 is awful in bombs and he makes something else I mean, we'll see a James Cameron produced film this summer. Or fixes the Terminator franchise or something. Yeah, that's not going to happen because he thought Terminator 5 was good. (laughs) Oh, dang it. I may have just ruined myself. (laughs) I don't think you realize on my honorable mentions notes where I keep list of all the honorable mentions, I've written denied next to his name five times during this past like two minutes and then deleted it based off of things (laughs) Jake has said. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay. I hate it. But I have to say yes. <laughs> yes. I'm the same. Oh. <laughs> this may be the most hate-filled pick of all time, it but is. I'm so happy. It absolutely is. I do not think that he is a good director. I don't I think Avatar is terrible. I the fact that he's sinking that much money and time into it is a huge bummer. But what he has done for the industry is unparalleled. So okay. because I will of that, take that win and move on. Because of that, it's a yes. Wow. Okay. Well, welcome Brad Bird, Paul Rudd, and James Cameron to the 15th class of honorable mentions. You are now part of a a legacy like none other. A legacy of menches and menchets <laughs> that will live on forever <laughs> past our past when we've passed away. So welcome. All right, let's get on to our review of Ant-Man and the Wasp, the 20th film from Marvel. And before we get into that, let's kind of let's give some thoughts, uh, a quick opinion. I know we talked about this, but let's just refresh on this podcast our opinions of, of the uh, first Ant-Man film. We did an episode um, back in April. It's episode 49, if you want to go back and listen to it, where we ranked all of the... MCU films and kind of gave some quick thoughts um, but just quickly let's refresh and just kind of uh, give our thoughts on the original Ant-Man so Jake what are your what did you think of the original Ant-Man yeah I mean overall original Ant-Man it's fun it's different uh, it was uh, I think a little bit of a disappointment because we all had high hopes with Edgar Wright taking on the script and the project uh, and then he unfortunately bowed out because of creative differences The first one's fun. Um, It's a different take on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's more lighthearted. It's more of a heist film. 
It has Paul Rudd in it, which we just talked about at length about how fantastic he is. Uh, and I also really enjoyed his role in Civil War. Um, I think it's more of a fun movie than it is a good movie. Uh, for me, it falls towards the bottom of the MCU, but uh, that's a good bottom to be in because the MCU overall is pretty great. So yeah, first first Ant-Man film, I'm a fan. Uh, I like the character. It's not my favorite MCU film by any stretch, but not bad. I agree. It, it's a lot of fun. It's a good. It's a good little ride. It's interesting. Um, I think it's. I think it's well cast and well acted. I think everyone does their job. I think that Peyton Reed. Um, I think that Peyton Reed makes something pretty interesting out of a character that's not very well known and doesn't maybe on the outset seem to have very interesting powers. But um, I think the uh, the ending fight sequence where everything is changing in size quickly is really cool and really well done. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a fun little thing, and like like you said, Paul Rudd sells the character. Yeah, uh, I actually like the original Ant Man quite a bit. I think it's one of the more rewatchable films in the MCU. It's just kind of fun, lighthearted, and uh, what Peyton Reed was able to do, kind of coming in because he really, I think the film came out in July of whenever it was, and I'm pretty sure that he signed on after Edgar Wright dropped off in like. June of the previous year. So for only having a year to work with, I actually think that with, you know, what he did to rewrite and kind of what he did and with, with what he was given is actually pretty impressive. So, you know, hats off to Peyton Reed, uh, for what he did. There's, there's a lot of like little fun things that this movie does with, um, I don't know how to phrase it, but like, um, macro photography, Jake, would that be the way to phrase it of like, uh, smaller world type stuff. Yeah, macro. Uh, okay. Um, so I, there, there's a lot of fun to be had in this movie. The comedy is fun. It's just kind of lighthearted fun. It's a, it's a nice palate cleanser between Avengers: Age of Ultron and Civil War. It's this fun like little thing to throw in in between the two. Um, that being said, let's go ahead and get into our general thoughts on Ant Man and the Wasp. So, um. I will get us started off because I I don't know how you guys feel about this. I walked out of this movie ultimately pretty frustrated. There's This movie seems to have a lot going on and very little going on all at the same time. Um, there are times where the dialogue feels like I wrote it, and that's a diss on myself more than it is on uh, the writers of this movie, but it just feels very amateur-esque. And uh, I I ultimately like walked out of this movie going, I feel like nothing happened. And like that was the first third, like that could have all been condensed down to the first third of another movie. Like if that was the first third of an actual Ant-Man and Wasp movie, and then we had two thirds of stuff later on, it would be a better movie. But ultimately it was just kind of like, okay, fine. There it is. Uh, Jake, what were your general thoughts on this movie? You know, overall, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was lighthearted. There were some great action set pieces. Once again, Paul Rudd, great. The cast is great. Um, It was funny. Uh, It was different, which I appreciated from the MCU. It was different in the way that it handles morality, which we'll talk about later. Um, I definitely was 
it's it's middle tier for me, I think, in the MCU. I need to see it another another time. I definitely have some really big issues with it that we can talk about more in a little bit. But you know, overall, I had a lot of fun. And I think that's a nice change of pace considering how heavy Infinity War was. The only option for them in this film was to go small, but um um and they definitely <laughs> definitely did that and uh they, i think they did it well um it could have been done better but overall not bad trevor yeah i think this was a lot of fun i had i i had a really good time watching this movie um i just watched it this afternoon so i haven't had a lot of time to digest and think about it um but i think that it's it's interesting in that it's set within this universe we're familiar with but feels a lot in some ways, like a standalone piece of just like popcorn escapism. It's, it's paced so quickly. I think that you just move from one thing to the next and it really kind of drew me in. Um, there's definitely some issues. I think there's some plot hole kind of things here. Um, some, some small issues here or there, but I, I ultimately enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was very funny. Um, another Marvel script written by Chris McKenna, who has a history with uh community. Um, the the TV show and um and yeah I I I did find myself laughing more than I expected to um I think that Paul Rudd uh, Michael Douglas Evangeline Lilly work all really well together and I think that's what makes it as good as it is and also Michael Pena being Michael Pena oh man <laughs> just on the margins just doing doing his thing is is perfect. Yeah, Paul Rudd actually has a screenwriter credit on this film, so I'd be interested to know kind of what input he gave uh, on this film. I believe he did on the first one as well, if did I he? recall correctly. Okay. Um, yeah, that would be... He did, yeah. And so did Adam McKay, which is funny because Adam McKay, we talked about some of his films earlier, Talladega Nights, uh, Step Brothers, Anchorman is a big... Uh, Big director and then did Big Short uh, a couple years ago. And now has a new film called Succession on HBO, which is getting really good buzz. Oh, yeah. So new new series. It looks amazing. Yeah. So there's a plug for Peyton Reed. Um, let's go ahead and get into spoilers for this film because I feel like to talk about some things in this film, we would be spoiling not only this film, but other parts of the MCU. So... Not only spoilers for this film, but if you haven't seen Avengers Infinity War, uh, we'll be spoiling parts of that as well. Not 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 right away, but in parts of the rest of our review. So if you haven't seen Avengers Infinity War, or if you've not seen this film, what are you doing? Go watch <laughs> Avengers Infinity War and then go watch this. If you haven't, we found um, him. We found the one guy. We got him. Yeah, we found the one guy. Um, so, yeah. Um, okay. Um, let's go ahead... I want to be positive before being too negative. We've all said that we have problems with this film. Um, and like I was telling you guys before we even started the podcast, I I just have trouble figuring out how to talk about this film because like I said, I don't really feel like too much happens. Like there's a lot of sideways action without there really being anything vertical. Like we kind of, the place where we end up is not too far from the place where we started. Um, so I want I want to start I want to start positive with some of the it's things called, that it's called slice of life cam. <laughs> okay, slice of life. 
There we go. Would have never expected Marvel to make uh, their own version of Before Sunset, but here we are. <laughs> That's exactly what this is. In <laughs> it's just Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly talking uh, for an hour and a half and then randomly changing into their superhero uniforms, but we don't ever see any of the action. Um, okay, so, so one of the things that I love is I think the villain in this movie, uh, played by Hannah John Kamen, is fantastic. Her motivations make sense. It's one of the few Marvel villains where you're like, I understand why she's doing what she's doing. And it's it's a motivation that we haven't seen but really makes sense. Uh, you know, she's doing all of this because she wants to save her life. She doesn't want to die. Um, so I, one of my favorite parts of this movie were was the villain. What did you guys in a... What did you guys think of the new villain uh, played by Hannah John Cameron, known as Ghost or Ava? Yeah, I, I I liked her as well. She's she's a human, which is something we don't get true humanity from our villains in this universe. Um, I think I think it's definitely an intriguing thing, um, especially bringing back the whole um, kind of dark secrets of Shield thing, which I think is an interesting way to dig into the past of this universe. Um, maybe especially with how that may intersect with Captain Marvel next year. Um, if it does at all, I think that would be interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I, I liked, I liked her. I thought that it was an interesting character. I thought that the visual effects were really good around the character and what was a difficult thing to yeah. do. So I disagree. I did not like the villain that much. Um, okay. I, she was fine. It just felt kind of cookie cutter, kind of cardboard. I liked her powers. I thought that was cool, but there was just a lot of like convenient things. Like if those are her powers, let that be her power, you know, like let's stop. I don't know. I just feel like if those were her powers, a lot of things could have happened or should have happened that she just kind of didn't make happen. But the, the real question here is, is she the villain? I uh, af- after thinking about uh-huh. it, I thought that once again a Marvel film had a terrible villain. But when you think about it, Hank Pym is the bad guy in this film, and huh. I love that idea because his ego, his ego, and the consequences of his actions are the villain. And right, I sorry, go ahead. That's basically. I just love that. Like we are seeing the actions of a hero become the villain in a film kind of like what Batman versus Superman did, but in an actual much better way. Um, and I love that <laughs> in this series of films that's introduced because Ant-Man films have kind of always swam in the gray areas of uh, what yeah. does it mean to be a hero or a villain? And I would say that Hank Pym is the villain in this film. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. I hadn't quite gotten all the way there yet, but I initially thought that that Hope and Hank not being willing to help Ghost or Ava, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Um I I thought that that was like kind of a plot hole. Like why don't they just help her? But it's to them it's about it was like a one or the other situation. Like they don't know anything about the quantum realm. They don't know how this works. And I was kind of slowly getting there, but I think you're right, Jake. I think that that's intentional. I think that that's the story that is trying to be told here. Yeah, and because of that, I think this is like one of the best villains in a Marvel film that we've had. Um, Loki's great, but 
I mean, that's more of like Tom Hiddleston's performance than it is the actual character, in my opinion. Um, right. Whereas this, it's like, it's, it's, it, because what the film was about is like what you're willing to do and sacrifice for our families and our children and like the people that we love. And in this film, Hank Pym's consequences has created this villain who is dying and needs his help. And once again, he chooses to let her die to save his wife, who he, right. with his ego and his consequences, caused his wife to go into the quantum realm. So like all of these things are Hank Pym's fault that he is not accepting responsibility for. Hmm. Um, and because of that, all of these have like come together in this moment where he has to choose and once again, he chooses to be selfish. Yeah. Wow. That's a, I hadn't gotten to that place. That's a, that's a really interesting way that kind of flips a couple of things on its head. If you look at it that way. Um, well, and you yeah. and it's even, it's made even more interesting by Janet being the one who ultimately is able to, to fix the problem. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess kind of going off of that, there's a lot of storylines in this. There's all these, like, this movie almost feels like it's it's a combination of, like, ten different, like, subplots. Um, so what did you guys think of the overall story? Because, I mean, just to break it down, there's Ant-Man, uh, you know, just trying to avoid being caught so he can finish up house arrest. There's Hope and Hank trying to save Janet. There's Ghost uh, and Bill Foster trying to save Ava's life. There's the the small romantic plot of like Scott and Hope, which gets kind of resolved. There's XCON security. There's Walter Goggins stealing tech. There's there's like this like all of them are kind of on the run. And then there's like all of this revolves around the idea of stealing this building and whoever has this building and the tech within it has power. So I mean, was there ever a point where the storyline just became too like multifaceted in all these different points, or did it work for you guys? I I think it works. I think that um, Scott's personal life and dealing with his house arrest and everything adds an urgency that kind of falls over the whole film um, that keeps it from being a little bit too lighthearted. As, you know, uh, Paul Rudd plays so perfectly, Scott Lang's kind of attitude where he downplays everything. But I think without having that urgency of like, facing 20 years in prison or whatever. I think that it brings everything together and gives an, like I said, urgency to it. I also don't, I don't think that there's too much going on here. I do think it does feel like a bunch of small time plots and no big plot, but it all takes place within a couple days within the same city, more or less. And I think that it's something that the universe needs. I think it works for the characters and I think it works for the situation we're in. I agree. I think if they went any bigger than what they did, uh, it would have felt weird in this setting, um, especially with everything that we just went through with Infinity War. And I think it also explains a lot of things of like, why wasn't Ant-Man in Infinity War? Oh, because he was under house arrest and then all this stuff happened. Um, So for me, it was fine. I I kind of liked it. It felt like a heist movie, which is what these things are, you know? And um, I, I don't want every... Marvel film to be some big high stakes thing where there's a giant blue beam in the sky. So I appreciated that it was just like car chases and shrinking up and down. And there was some really cool quantum physics, Dr. Strange style stuff that happened, which was cool. Um, But overall Uh the like interweaving story plots 
they were fine with me. I think the story as a whole isn't super strong. Like the plot is pretty predictable and pretty small and pretty simple. But uh, the characters and the performances, I think, make up for the simple plot structure. Yeah, so I, I, bring, I bring all of that up, um, not because I want, like I don't want an Infinity War every film. Uh, most times these smaller films are the ones that, you know, I end up gravitating to more. I think, I think what I'm like, my problem is that every, the Marvel films that don't work for me. So often there's this like problem where I'm waiting for this like, oh, wow moment. And that can be on a small scale level or like a big scale level. I'm just waiting for that like moment. That's like, wow, that's really like, that's cool. And this whole entire movie that never happened. Like there was never a moment that I like watched and was like, wow, that's new. We haven't seen that before. Whether it's like, I mean, even in the first film, like you have Scott shrinking himself to the quantum realm for the first time and then coming back. And like, they really went there in a way that like, wow, that's a really out there kind of way to explore that. And it's like this film, we have that, but it's like, we've been there and it just doesn't seem as mystic. This film, like some of the layers of mystery feel peeled back, which is fine, but there's no other like new, like Scott goes big into the giant man or whatever you want to call it in this film, which we've seen before. It's like, there is nothing in this film that was like, wow, like that's a cool new addition or like, that's a, that's like, I just felt like, I felt like the kid from the Incredibles where like he picks up the car and throws it down. He's like, what are you waiting for? And he's like, I don't know, something awesome. I feel like that kid the entire time. <laughs> and that feels like terrible. And that feels like whiny and complaining millennial of me to be like, impress me. But there was just nothing like this movie's fine. Like there's fun. I love uh, Hope Van Dyne and Evangeline Lilly. I think she's the best part. And like the addition of her as Wasp and like a co-lead in this film is amazing. I think she's great. Um, Paul Rudd's obviously great. We've talked about that. Michael Pena is great. I think Hannah John Cameron does a good job. I think the acting is great. But I'm just like storyline wise, there's just never anything that was like cool that was worthy of like warranting another. Like, I feel like we could have the last um, 10 minutes, last five minutes of this movie could have been the opening to Avengers 4, and I would have been fine. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying, Cameron. I think for me, the impressive parts or like the parts where they really got to show off like what's new and different is the teamwork between the Wasp and Ant-Man and the action sequences. Um, I thought that the action in this film was very well directed. Um, things We were going not only from different perspectives and different locations, and um, but also to like different sizes. <laughs> and uh, I, right. I never was confused. I feel like they used the powers in innovative ways this time. And uh, them working as a team introduced <laughs> a lot of fun elements like watching... Bucky and Captain America work together, you know. Um for for uh-huh, for yeah. me I thought that was the moment of the film that we were looking for of like what are they going to do next? That's really cool. Oh, uh Ant-Man gets a partner who's just as much of a badass as he is. Actually, no, wait, she's even better. Yeah. Um right. so that that worked for me. Yeah, I no, thought that's I true. agree. I think I think the action sequences, especially like the car chase and stuff were very clear and coherent. Um with what was going on, they were well directed. Also, something that will never not be funny to me is the sound that a tiny car makes <laughs> as it's driving down the road. Yeah, 
No, that was a good good addition. <laughs> yeah, the little uh, RC car circular thing that Michael uh, Michael Douglas has yeah, with yeah, all the Hot the Wheels, cars the Hot Wheels yeah. pack. That's so good. That was a cool part of this film is like the way that they played with shrinking things that weren't Ant Man. I think they really utilized yeah. that more this film. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get into some of you guys' other. You guys have both said that there were some things you guys disliked about this movie. What were some other things that you guys had issue with? Okay, so I'll say this once, and I'll just get it out of the way. Um, This film and the original Ant-Man is broken because it doesn't follow the simple rule that it has established for itself, which is like my my number one rule. Like if you you can do anything in a movie, I don't care as long as you follow the rules of the world that you have created for yourself. They even have this like long exposition dump thing in the first film that explains the PIM particle theory, which is the distance between molecules and how if you shrink those, it allows a person or an item to shrink while retaining their mass and strength because the molecules haven't changed, just the space between the molecules. And then <laughs> and then like five wow. seconds later, they're breaking that rule to be just cool. It's like, oh, well, that's, that'd be cool if you had a tank in its pocket. And then later it was like, we got a tank. Well, that's impossible. Like you just, <laughs> you just broke all your rules. And this film does the, it like does it all the time. We're shrinking a building and they're just like, well, I got right. it. It's fine. I got the building over here. Yeah. It's the problem. The problem here, the problem is not the last 90% of what you said. It's the first 10%. Right. It's that there was no reason to set those rules as they were. Yeah. No reason whatsoever to do exactly. that. Exactly. Like why? They spend literally like two minutes in Ant-Man, the first film, two minutes out of 120. And like in a two hour action film, every minute is precious. And they spend two of those minutes explaining this theory that they then just say, well, that's inconvenient. Let's do this instead. (laughs) Like you don't have to explain that. Like it just say things get smaller. They can retain their strength. But since they're smaller, their weight has, I don't know, like change the rule. Like you're writing the script. You're making the world. You can make the rule work for the world that you want. And uh, it's not like there's actual physics to back any of this up. That's like, hey, you should probably stick to this. Yeah, like that. That's my biggest frustration with this. Right. And they even they even break the rule in the opposite direction where like in this when you see like wasp tackling people, she makes herself full size right before she hits them. Yeah. Whereas if they were following the rule, she wouldn't need to do that. Yeah. There's just a lot of right. things that are just they're 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 going by the rule of cool instead of the rule of the right. world that they've created. <laughs> no, that's so, an interesting thing to bring up because I wonder like in the opposite of like when he's big Exactly. Oh, that's a whole different. Like, does he then keep the same? He should weight. He should. He seemed extra. He seemed extra strong when he was big. Yeah, right. Because that's cool. Because he was, you know, he, longboarding. He flicked a, a, a uh, Walter Goggins at one point. He just flicked him. Right. <sighs> and he was obviously able to stop a moving big truck. Yeah. So and then use it as a scooter, which was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it was cool, but it's not the rule that they made, which I like is a nitpicky thing to complain about, but it just is infuriating. It like drives me nuts. No, no, but like that, I get that because I think like there are often times where like, like, so once again, to point out, 
there are things in the Dark Knight Rises that I just can't get past. And so it's like, I feel like there are certain things in movies that once you, they're in your head and you can't get past them, it ruins a lot of things for you. And so it's, that's like, uh, like a glass shattering moment of like, once you realize that it's like, oh yeah, that's really annoying. Yeah. There, there's so <laughs> many things happening in this movie that's just like assumed. Um, yeah. I think final thoughts for me before we get into like spoiler, spoiler stuff. Um, the whole cast is fantastic. Uh, Michael Pena steal, steals this film when he's on screen. That scene of right. him explaining where Scott is with the truth serum was yeah. absolutely hysterical. Um, oh, yeah. And the whole. It's the truth serum. It's not truth yeah, serum. That whole bit was so funny. And the way they like drunk historyed that scene with all of the characters yeah. like mouthing along with him was just absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, I will say once again, the music and cinematography are as forgettable as every other Marvel movie. The macro stuff was interesting until you remember, oh, this is all CGI, like whatever. Right. Um, and the score besides the Ant-Man theme was pretty unforgettable, at least for me. I don't know if you guys have a yeah. different opinion on that. No, I couldn't. I couldn't yeah, have I any part of this whatsoever. Um, I will jump off Jake, your point of uh fun side characters of David Dallas Malkian's uh character. I don't remember his uh Kurt, who's one of the ex con security members, his whole Baba Yaga oh, man. thing. And then the moment where Ghost walks through the wall and he uh, just starts whispering Baba Yaga is just it's perfect. And also yeah, uh that that whole crew T. I. With, with and with T I too T. I is great. perfect Kip, as well. Yeah. Kip Harris. <laughs> That was, and I and I think I think that Walter Goggins is a, one of the great character actors. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was fantastic in this. And uh, yep. the child actor who plays the kid, she did fantastic. Yes, yes. she yes, did. Yes, I agree. And once agree. again, uh, you know, Bobby Cannavale is great, and Judy Greer is in a movie and given really nothing to do. So you know, unfortunate for Judy Greer. Status quo stays I think the same. I, at this point. At this point, we have to assume that Judy Greer wants that kind of role, right? Right. She's just cashing them checks. I mean, whatever. Bobby Cannavale is hilarious in this because of the turn his character takes from the first film. Yeah. Yes. Just like yeah. he has this experience with this great experience where he sees that Scott Lang is actually a good guy. And now he's like his giant puppy dog, big brother. Best buddies. Yeah. It's hilarious. All right. Well, so let's get into the ending of this film. So at the ending of this film, Michael Douglas goes and saves Hope from the quantum realm. Hope comes back, has new quantum powers. Janet. And is able to fix Ghost um, by simply just touching her and using her new powers. Um, So Hope's back. Uh, Welcome Michelle Pfeiffer to the MCU. Janet. You will probably play a huge role. (laughs) Janet's back. Janet. Here we go. Uh, you will probably play a huge role in Avengers Four with all your new quantum powers. Oh, but I wait. can't imagine that they would just what? You're dead. Wait, you're dead. <laughs> On the count of three, let's all snap our fingers. One, two, three. Oh, they're all dead. In what's one of the better MCU post-credit scenes, Scott gets shrunk into the quantum realm to harvest matter. To help Ghost uh, that has healing powers? That's the confusing part. But it's Scott in the quantum realm, and then it cuts back to uh, Hope Van Dyne, Janet Van Dyne, and uh, Hank Pym, and they're all 
killed by the Thanos snap at the end of Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. that's uh that was just well done. Bravo. That's I tip my hat to that. Yeah, I'll be interesting to see what kind of role this ends up leading to for Scott in this because it's like my brain is just being like how do they get him out of there with nobody knowing that he's in there or probably how to I don't it's just kind of a headache. We get the disappeared people back halfway through the next movie. I don't and think they get Scott back. Uh, I mean, theoretically, yeah. I don't okay. think that it's going to be till the very end of the next film for that to resolve itself. Do we each want to give a theory? My, okay, well, you guys go first. Jake, what's your theory? Like how he gets out? So I don't know exactly how he gets out, obviously, <sighs> but um, I do think that it's going to have something to do with what Janet said is like the time vortex or something that's in the quantum realm. Like if you go to a certain area in the quantum realm, like time begins to change. And I feel like maybe he goes back in time. Mm. What? Yeah, okay. there have been some time rumors for the Avengers 4. So that's, that's interesting. One, so I know that kind of the theory that I guess we sort of rested on is that the people who are disappeared are in the negative zone or something like that. Um, not necessarily obliterated. And I think that we could see one of two things. One is crossover between the quantum realm and the negative zone. Like Scott somehow happens upon all of the disappeared people from the, from the universe yeah. while he's there. Or, I mean, kind of what you were saying, Jake, um, or that Janet Van Dyne maybe plays a pretty significant role in at least bringing back some people from the negative zone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause she kind of, she kind of hints at knowing that she can do a lot of things that she not used to be able to. Right. It'll be interesting to yeah. see what happens because like the quantum realm is smaller than molecules, but yeah, when Thanos killed everybody, they like all turned to ash. But does that just mean that their molecules have been like scattered? So now their molecules yeah. are like within the quantum realm or something. Is that their leftover dead skin? Yeah. They just didn't go with them. Who knows? You know, <laughs> who knows? I think I, if I had to take a guess, my guess would be that the Avengers four takes place uh, like after an extended period of time after Avengers three. Like, I don't think we pick up right after it. I think it's going to be like a year or two. And I would be willing to bet that within that time, either Scott has gotten out or has figured out some way through Doctor Strange or somebody to communicate and be a bridge between the two worlds. Isn't Doctor Strange dead? He is, but like Doctor Strange is in this like death realm and can probably find so, some mystical way into If you're also, like, right. If you're somewhere that's not the normal plane, Doctor Strange is the best person to have. That's true. Right. Right, and he and has maybe Janet Van Dyne the is outcomes. the second best person to have, and maybe that was part of one of the outcomes. Maybe, I mean, that's pretty clear at this point. Right? We could yeah. we could be here all night speculating. There's fourteen point one million what? options. <laughs> what if Marvel at the end of Avengers four is like, look, I know Doctor Strange said there was that one outcome that could save us all, but this isn't it. Uh oh. <laughs> and Avengers so, four is just like, oh yeah, Thanos won. Never mind. I I, w- I think I would be okay with that, honestly. It's almost like an Iron Man 3 moment where it's like, 
you don't you're not a huge fan of the fact that they like uh sleight of handed us with this Trevor Slattery situation, but you respect it. Yeah. And also if you liked this, come back every day between now and next May for our Avengers Infinity War sequel speculation. Our yep. our new spin off podcast. Um all right, let's get to our final thoughts and ratings for Ant Man and the Wasp. Uh for me it's a B. I definitely want to see it again. Uh, it might even be a B minus. Just the the physics and the rules just really tick me off. Um, <laughs> get it? Ha, bug, bug humor. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean overall, like the performances and the charisma, and it was just a lot of fun. I, I appreciate the small scaleness of this. So for me, it's a B minus B. I had a lot of fun with it, but a uh, pretty weak plot. Really predictable. They're not following their own rules, so it's just that's that's what it is. Yeah, I had I had a lot of fun with this as well. I think it's really paced well to just kind of keep you moving and keep going. Um, this is somehow one of the four or five best movies I've seen this year. Which, oh gosh. good lord, twenty eighteen. What are you doing? Um, one of the yeah, four so, or five. Yeah, I think so. I haven't seen a Quiet Place. Um, okay, well, so there's that's, problem number one. Right, right, sure. But you've um, seen I think Black it's Panther a, and Annihilation. Yes, of course. And Avengers and Incredibles. Uh huh. I don't know that Incredibles is definitely better than this. Mm. Okay. Um. Uh. But I would say, I mean, I think, I think that, I mean, I could argue that this is the best in the run of five sequels in a row that we've done. Um, oh, I don't maybe. think that's a hard argument to make. <laughs> right. Um. But anyway, yeah, I, I'm gonna give this uh 17 months of house arrest out of. No, wait, sorry, that's not the right math. 21 months of house arrest out of 24 months of house arrest. Wow. Okay. That's good. Wow. Yeah. That's a seven out of eight for those who like to simplify. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I think it's a B plus. Uh, I'm lower on this film than you guys. I was just kind of bored by it. There's nothing about it that like blew me away. It was just kind of like, that was fun. Um, I think there's a lot of problems with the dialogue. There were parts at times where I found myself like, yikes, that was a uh, bad. Um, I think it's going to see to me. It's on the lower tier of Marvel films. It's still decent, but it's not, it's not, it's nothing to write home about. Um, so let's go ahead and get into our content of the week. Jake, what is your content of the week? I got a few things for you this week. Um, we had a, bit of a bummer of a week my wife's granddad passed away and uh, it was good to see family and everything but obviously not under the best circumstances and so in those moments you often go to what you know and what is comforting and uh, for us that's been the office as always I think this is like the 18th time it's been recommended on this show but it's the best so watch that um, there's also this YouTube channel that I found today called Nando V Movies. I tweeted out one of their videos earlier, and this guy basically takes films that had a lot of promise and were uh, underwhelming and basically does a rewrite of them and explains how he would fix them in like 10 minutes. And they are really good like i think he might have fixed batman versus superman his fix on age of ultron's really interesting um it is really 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 interesting and entertaining so if you're a movie nerd or if you're into like screenwriting or script supervision or whatever check that out and then my last one is a podcast called the film riot podcast if you have any interest in filmmaking like the actual 
like I want to be a cinematographer, an editor, whatever, like check out Film Riot. They're an amazing YouTube channel with some awesome tutorials and they started a podcast recently, some in-depth discussions with some up-and-coming filmmakers that are uh, really, really good. Um, I know the Film Riot guys, they are fantastic and I know a few of the guests that they've had on the show um, and it's just really well done, really interesting and if you're an aspiring filmmaker, it's a great place to learn um, because these guys are coming up in an industry uh, in a very unique way and I think that's the future of the industry. So check it out. Trevor, what is your recommend for this week? Okay, so I've got two that are pretty different. One is I've thankfully been able to watch a lot of the World Cup soccer tournament this past month and it is just a total blast. Um, I love soccer. I know that not everyone does love soccer. That's fine, whatever. But um, this coming Sunday is the World Cup final. Saturday's the third place game. There are going to be two games between good teams. And so check out soccer. Give it a chance. Uh, see what it's like. Um, also, it's on Sunday morning. So if you're you know sleeping in, you roll out of bed, turn on some soccer. You're not doing anything else. <laughs> um, and then my other thing is my wife and I just started watching... Um, the horrifying technology anthology series Black Mirror, yes. um, which we've mentioned a few times on this this show. Um, if you, as Jake and I, complain all the time about things not being critical enough of technology, if you agree with us, then you should watch Black Mirror because it is incredibly critical of technology and will make you want to mail your phone to the ocean. <laughs> so... <laughs> Also of note, off that same topic, the villain in this film, uh, Hannah John Cameron, is exactly. in two Black Mirror episodes. And she is fantastic. Um, it, and it has, it's, it's, it's an anthology series, so it has a lot of your great, um, a lot of your friends from film, you know, like Daniel Kaluuya and Haley Atwell and Donald Gleason and um, the girl that plays Sybil in Downton Abbey. And, you know, all of those people. And Landry from Friday Night Lights, whatever his name is. Um, so, so yeah, check out Black Mirror. There's only like 12 episodes on Netflix. We're about halfway through. Um, it's a little bit rough and hard to watch sometimes, but I think it's really important to pay attention to. Yeah. I can say that there's never, like, there are very few things that have ever, like, media-wise, that have ever made me, like, lose sleep. Um, Black Mirror is one of those. Yeah, it, uh, so good. When I watched the first episode the first time, I like I stayed up for a couple hours after it and was like, "Man, what did I just watch?" Season one, episode one. What a way to introduce somebody yeah. to your show. Just oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> this is how it's gonna be. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Um, if you liked Paul Rudd in this movie, there's a movie that came out I think last year or 2016. Um, that came out on Netflix. You can go ahead and watch it right now. And it's called The Fundamentals of Caring. It's a movie where Paul Rudd is a writer who has lost his job and ends up becoming a caretaker for an 18-year-old with muscular dystrophy. It's kind of about a venture that they go on, uh, the two of them, and then uh, Selena Gomez is actually also in it. Um, but it's just a fun kind of little Netflix film. Um, if you need something positive in your life, I'm going to get... This is going to be the new Survivor. I know. Okay. Cameron's <laughs> going to get smacked for this. Okay, great. Um, if you need something positive in your life, there's a show that I've loved for a couple years, and there's just a lot of positive stories on it. So I'm going to recommend American Ninja Warrior. It's a like, fitness competition type <laughs> show. But, okay, here we go again. Oh, yeah. Cameron with the stupid reality TV. Okay, fine. Uh, I, I, but- I was Cameron, I need you to know this, that... 
every time I pass it, I I stop for at least ten minutes on the TV. Okay. I just Thank I can't you. say no to it on the outset. It's just too interesting. Okay. It's a very interesting show, and there's a lot of like, if you just want to like go and watch a show that like you feel good, because there's just so much dark stuff going on. Go watch it. It's like there's tons of just like heartwarming stories on it. Um, and then if you want something sad, uh, Steve Ditko, who is a uh, famous artist and is the co-creator of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, passed away this past week. Um, so in honor of him, go read a Spider-Man comic or Doctor Strange comic. He is uh, he's responsible for the visuals um, that have influenced many and is a... Uh, is a big influence on the industry. So, um, Steve Ditko, go check out some of his work. Um, that's all we have for this week's episode. We'll be back next week with the new review of something. I have no idea what. Depends what I can talk Jake and Trevor into and whether or not Sorry to Bother You or Eighth Grade is playing anywhere near us. Um, if one of those two is, I'm going to guess that we're going to do one of those. If not, definitely. Uh, skyscraper. Uh, we may do a catch up or something. Yeah, if not, we will probably do a catch-up on, like, The Godfather or something. So, uh, if you've enjoyed listening to us, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, review us, and go share us with your friends and family. If you want to know more about us, you can go to our website at popcornoptional.com. Uh, if you want to interact with us, you can find us... <coughs> going too fast. If you want to interact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Popcorn Optional or on Facebook at Popcorn Optional. My name is Cameron Salina. You can find me online at 321 Time. Jake, where can we find you online? You can find me at jakebrown.tv. That is my website and my Instagram handle. Trevor? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at TurboTrevor. Alrighty. Until next time, we hope you guys have a great week. Watch some movies and in the words of the great Michael Scott, we'll be back ASAP as possible. Hey. That'll be good. <laughs> <laughs>